It's summer on the south coast of New South Wales and the beachside villages are heaving with visitors. For many Canberra and Sydney families, this pilgrimage to the coast has been going on for generations, since a time when dirt roads led to sleepy towns and streets were dotted with fibro holiday shacks. These were the long lazy days of nothing to do, a hammock slung between trees, fishing lines tangled beyond repair, sandfly bites, and waiting for the arrival of the afternoon Mr Whippy van. Since those days, much of the south coast has been transformed. Two-storey mansions now preside over shorelines and every second house is an Airbnb. But there are some remnants of a simpler time, some villages where the pastel colours of fibro beach shacks still stand proud. One such place is nestled on a headland in the village of Kunjurong Point between Lake Conjola and Bendalong. In this tiny and beautiful corner of the coast is a place that time seems to have passed over. Here sits a living time capsule, a nest of cabins unrenovated and unchanged since the 1960s. Painted in pale shades of sand and heritage green, they are spaced through a garden where the plants are as old as the buildings. Massive birds of paradise, giant agave and monstera loom against walls. At its entrance, a hand-painted sign with a name as unpretentious as the surrounds, tells you you have arrived. Don Hearn's Cabins. Hi, I'm Cathy Sharp, a journalist from the south coast of New South Wales. For this week's episode of Voice of Real Australia, I visited Don Hearn's Cabins to find out how a surf-loving idealist from Western Sydney came to Kunjurong Point in the 1960s to establish a refuge from the world. What I've found is a place steeped in nostalgia, loved by generations of surfers, artists, misfits and eccentrics, along with generations of families drawn to a place where kids could swim, surf and run free, and no one would yell at them for bringing sandy feet inside. I came down here on a surf trip and I met this young dark African guy called Gibbo and he was a great surfer and he said, oh, we're staying in the cabins. So I came straight up here and walked in and met Donnie and said, can I stay? And he turned around and said, yeah. And so since I've been 18, I've been staying here and I'm now 57. When he was 17, back in the 1970s, surfer Phil Rouse made the weekend trek down the Princess Highway to Kunjurong Point to cut his teeth on the famous surf break at Green Island. He met Don Hearn in those days. Forty years later, Phil and many others like him still make the pilgrimage back to a place of lifelong friendships, good waves and good memories. Phil knew Don Hearn well and remembers a larger-than-life character who welcomed everyone and hosted legendary outdoor parties. Oh, he was a really casual, easy-going man. And he was like, oh, yeah, don't worry, just go and do that. No problems, just whatever you want to do. And whatever, whatever you said to him, he, he would just let you go. And he stuck me in the caravan up the back in the first time I stayed here. And then I moved into the, the uh, cabins the next night. And he was uh, amazing. He just always so helpful. He was really good. Phil is adamant that Don always had a beer in his hand. Always. All the time. 
all the time. He just always on, on a beer. He'd, he'd come into your cabin at seven in the morning if you left the door open, and he he he'd walk into the cabin and he'd go, "Come on, boys, let's get up and start drinking." And you go, "Oh no, Donnie, no!" <laughs> and he'd have a cigarette in his hand and he'd be drinking beers with his other hand, and he had these ducks and geese here, and the ducks and the geese. Would if you left the door open, the ducks would come in and start going quack quack quack, and you'd be having a hangover or you'd had too much to drink, and the duck would come in and start like three or four of them would come in the door. If someone left it open, and they'd be squawking and making all these noises, and it was the worst thing in the morning to have an experience like that. But it, made, it made it all fun, and all a part of it. It was really great. I really enjoyed it. But the wild man who held court around the campfire was also an outspoken pacifist who preached anti-Vietnam War messages to anyone who would listen. Well, Donnie Hearn was a World War II veteran. He had a tattoo on his arm, uh, 1942, India, and he went there with the expeditionary force to defend India against the Japanese. And then when he came back, he came here and he became a great anti-war demonstrator for Vietnam War people hated him he said he stood solid against the war he said that we shouldn't be there and it shouldn't be happening and um he uh just constantly preached peace and he had a big peace sign out the front of the uh cabins and he was amazing he just didn't have time for anything that was violent or anything like that he was quite an amazing man he used to say wars will cease when men refuse to fight and he always preached it, and he never stopped talking about it and, and anything that had anything to do with it. He hated the Americans. He really hated the Americans. He, he, he thought they were the biggest problem of, the, of all the wars, and uh, yet he fought alongside them in um, Papua New Guinea. So was this something he used to talk about, like, around the fires at night? All the time, and in the cabins. And we got film footage of him actually preaching it and... and um, he, he was an incredible old man. We've known him since we were 19, 18, 19 years of age. And he was uh, always uh, very, very hospitable towards everybody. He was amazing. When Don Hearn died in 1991, Lexi Meyer took over the management of the cabins and quickly realised she had inherited more than just a collection of buildings. She had also inherited the legend of Don Hearn, with all the myths and tall tales that swirl around him. What was Conjurong Point like then, 30 years ago? Um, Pretty much the same as it is now, because there's not a lot of scope for new development. We're closed in by Crown Land and National Park and the next-door suburb. More people were living here at the time and the people who were living here perhaps were a little more colourful. For instance, it was known as a bit of a harvest city and it wasn't unusual when harvest time was on for someone to walk down the middle of the street to, you know, with one or two big bushes of marijuana over their shoulder. They don't do that now. <laughs> Lexi never met Don, but people who knew him keep coming back and telling her stories from the old days. Then, as now... It was down the end of a dodgy road nestled in the bush. With a welcoming and stridently anti-war surfy landlord, it was the perfect place to avoid the draft in the 60s and 70s. Yeah, I've had lots of people tell me about that and the stories seem to get wilder every time I hear them. Um, 
So I, I guess I've kind of put them all together and then damped them down a bit for my understanding. The, um, a number of them have told me about him sending a, anywhere from a death adder to a funnel web to one of the American presidents, to, uh, you know, going on about anti-war and other people have told me that conscientious objectors used to stay here during the Vietnam War and when the police were seen coming in Bendalong Road a fire would be lit or some kind of signal would be sent and they'd swim over the lake and then Donnie would light a fire here with a rubber tyre on it and tell them, you know, the black smoke meant come back kind of thing but I haven't met any of those people who've told me they were actually involved in that. Walking a short distance through the she-oak forest behind the cabins, you come to a platform which looks directly down onto Green Island. At the lookout stands a stone with a plaque drilled on it. The inscription reads, In memory of Don Hearn, who always had time for surfers. It's not a ferocious wave. It's not really a barrel. It's the kind of wave that makes your average surfer feel good about their surfing. It's a very easy wave to surf, and it's a very safe wave to surf when it's fairly big. I spoke to Shellhaven artist and surfer Mick Purdy about what it is that makes Green Island such a mecca for surfers from around the country. It's not what they call a big wave spot, but nonetheless, for your average surfer, it probably gets as big as you want to surf it. It's a great great wave that um, it's good for the whole family old blokes young blokes the really good surfers probably don't go there because there's uh, heavier waves to surf but for your average surfer it's a very good wave like Lexi Mick knew of Don through the countless yarns he'd heard over the years I remember hearing the surfers at school talking about Green Island and um, Don Hearns, and um, being young kids, they were uh, they were talking about the spooky paddle all the way out across the Sharp Channel, as they called it, because the wave itself breaks a fair way out to sea. If you stayed at Don Hearns, you could be the first out, and sometimes when you're out, you've been staying at Don Hearns, get up in the dark, go out. And of course you've left no footprints, there's no car that you've left in the car park. So the next person that arrives thinks they're the first there, they paddle out and find you sitting out there in the dark. It's always fun. Mick loves it out here. He calls it everybody's wave. Basically the localism isn't too bad because it's recognised that it's everybody's wave. So many people travel from out of the area to surf there. It's a break famous amongst even elite surfers, and Don Hearn was a huge part of that. I can just imagine how uh, the young Groms, the, the will-be world champions and that, would have gone down and uh, been welcomed in at Don Hearn's primo spot, and they'd go out there and get the primo waves. So an awful lot of surf history in the area. If Don Hearn always welcomed surfers, Lexi has continued the tradition. Lots and lots of surfers, and a lot of them have been coming for the whole 30 years and are still coming. The only difference is their boards are getting longer as they get older, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's a world-class left break, and when it's working, it's just fabulous, and they're lovely big fat waves here, yeah. 
Phil Rouse calculates that over 40 years of visits, he's spent more than a year of his life at the cabins. No, it never lost its charm. I just, I just love the fact that it's so close to the island and I can have some beers and open fire and cook on my, um, cook, cook with um, the wood from the bush and have a hot plate and do bacon and eggs and I can do anything I want and no one bothers me. And uh, it, you see people around the corner paying so much money for their accommodation when they, when they come here and this is a great value. And it's a, it's a breeding ground and a sanctuary for wildlife and the kangaroos come in every, every day you see the kangaroos here. But the, the kangaroo mouse, I couldn't believe seeing a kangaroo mouse in the bushes. And we used to see sugar gliders here, but they're not here anymore. Yeah. And they used to dart across the tops of the trees and we used to sit there and watch them around the open fire at night time and they, they'd come down and the possums would come down. And it, it's, it, this is an amazing breeding ground for animals and it is just an absolute sanctuary for them. The birds, the kookaburras, the other night I, I think I saw a funnel web spider going across the grass. Yeah, there's the kookaburras now, they're probably listening to us. <laughs> and uh, that's a territorial call, that. And um, I, I saw a funnel web spider go across the ground the other night, and it was, it was marching. On her website, Lexi is careful to make clear that if it's creature comforts you're after, you might want to look elsewhere. My mission in life is to get people to just stop, you know, so um, there never will be flat screen TVs, there never will be a lounge suite. The whole point is not to have you sit inside, it's all about get outside, commune with nature, have real conversations around the fire, just stop, you know, reevaluate. Look at how much stuff you're surrounding yourself with and how much busyness and maybe take a break from it or even better, change your habits up, you know. Drop a few of the the things that you're surrounding yourself with and have a a higher quality life. So the people that do stay here, though, you have a lot of people coming back year after year. Yep, yep, lots of people. Lots of surfers, lots of um, large groups of young families who take the whole place over and um, they slowly have grown up over the years. I'm, some families, I'm on my third generation, you know, and uh, when the kids are having their 18th or 21st, the parents are on the phone going, don't you let them do this and don't you do that. And I can say to them, I remember you at your 21st. And they're going, don't tell them that. It's like, well, you turned out all right, didn't you? So shut up, you know. People are going to be able to let their hair down. Surfers, Mick Purdy says, are not the kind of guests who will be worried about finding exactly the right spatula, matching plates, or a fry pan with a handle. I think most people who've been surfing all their lives yearn for the days when surfers were rebels of some sort. There was so much dope smoking, and Don Hearn's cabins is the kind of place that typifies where surfers would stay if they could. A surfing holiday would never, ever involve a motel. You know, it it was always done on a budget and it was done often on the sly and 
there aren't many places around that haven't changed as surfing has changed. Surfing's become mainstream. The coast has become more and more desirable. Manana is full of double brick houses, just like a suburb in Sydney. Endelong has maintained some of the fibro, which is great. Don Hearns is exactly like it was in the 70s. It's an amazing place to stay because you know that people that don't belong there wouldn't go there. They'd walk in, have a look around and go, this is disgusting. And that's how surfers like it. It hasn't been yuppified. I think nearly everybody that stays there is of the same breed, you know, a little bit hippie, a little bit alternative, likes to do things cheaply. They're there for the beautiful nature and the waves. The buildings may be old and the lino worn, but Don Hearns is a reminder of a time when there wasn't a need for constant entertainment. There's no TV and variable internet. It's all about making your own fun. Battered guitars and sketchbooks come out, shells are strung into necklaces, time slows. I think wherever people live, they think is pretty much their paradise. But um, I find it hard to find anywhere that I would want a holiday that I would think would be better than here. But then my needs are pretty simple. I like the difference and the, the different topography. People are always the same wherever you find them around the world. This place is just a bit peculiar. You have to be a particular sort of person to enjoy it. It's sort of camping with a hard roof. So if you're into simplicity and a really positive vibe to walk around to, you know, and that's what I really love about this place. It seems to have an energy of its own that works on people when they're here too, I think. Lexi Meyer feels strongly that people have forgotten what a holiday is supposed to mean in a world that has lost the simple art of lazing around. What I do notice is that people are having shorter and shorter breaks and they're not really driving away from here rested. You know, they've just hit the beginning of realising they're they're starting to rest, but then it's time to pack up and go. I would love to see them take longer, which is why I try and keep the prices as low as possible. And I actually drop them for Christmas so that people can afford a long holiday. Yeah. That's it for this episode of Voice of Real Australia. Thank you so much for listening. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen and I'll be back in a couple of weeks. If you like the podcast, please tell your friends and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It really does help. If you'd like to share your story, email voice at ostcommunitymedia.com.au. That's voice at ost, A-U-S-T, communitymedia.com.au. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash voiceofrealaustralia. 
You can follow me on Twitter at TomMelville124. Voice of Real Australia is recorded in Canberra on Ngunnawal country. Reporting this week from Cathy Sharp, it was produced by Lara Corrigan and me, your host, Tom Melville. Our editors are Emily Sweet and Chad Watson. This is an ACM podcast. <laughs>